one of my coworkers was actually a witch. And I remember we were, we were in the break room one day and she took out her pentagram and was like, see, I'm a witch. And I was like, wow. But she was this most unassuming, friendly woman, smiley. She did not look like what you would think a witch looks like. Like she didn't have a big green nose with a wart on the end. Um, and I think becoming friends with her, it actually got me more into witchcraft. I bought a spell book. I started doing spells of my own. And I was really enchanted with the fact that I could make things happen. I drove to a bridge near my house and I got out of the car and I, I was standing there. I was, was going to jump. But I looked down and I remember thinking to myself, if I don't die, this is really gonna hurt. I turned my head and there was Jesus opening up his hand and a dove flew out and flew towards me. Okay, I was, um, I was raised Catholic um, to an average middle-class family. I have one sister. My parents are still together today. Um, there was really nothing that stands out about my childhood. It was a pretty average upbringing. Um, grew up in the suburbs of New York, and um, I was raised Catholic. So we went to Catholic school from pre-K. I went all the way through senior year of college. Um, we went to church every Sunday, and I was raised with a knowledge of God and of Jesus, but never really had a relationship with Jesus. Um, God was more of just in my back pocket or on a shelf, and I would reach for him when I was in trouble or when I was scared or when I needed something. Then I would pray to God. Um, but we did, you know, we did grow up believing in Jesus. Um, and all I ever really knew was that Jesus sacrificed for me. I never actually knew what that actual sacrifice was with all that religious education. Mm. Uh, we didn't really, I think we owned a Bible, but we didn't read it as a family. Um, and really all we knew was what we were spoon-fed either in school or in church by the priest. So I didn't really have a close relationship with the Lord, but my grandmother um, on my father's side, she was a born-again Christian, born-again believer, and and she would try to teach me the Bible, you know, in bits and pieces here and there. She was probably the biggest influence that I had in my life on um, the life of Jesus and walking with the Lord. She would have me watch Joyce Meyer with her and things like that. And, you know, she tried to introduce that to me, but I was kind of just like, take it or leave it. Mm. And, you know, as I grew up, I didn't really know where I fit in. I was a very shy kid. I would kind of, I was kind of just like a chameleon. Like I would kind of just go with the crowd. I didn't really have my own set of strong morals or beliefs or anything. Um, I grew up in a very secular household. So we participated in all the secular activities. You know, we watched all the movies and the music. And, you know, I kind of just went with the crowd. Um, growing up, I did. I was interested in astrology and things like that because it was kind of like you would read your horoscope in the newspaper. Or it was supposed to seem really kind of harmless. And I watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch on TGIF on uh, Nickelodeon or, or ABC, whatever it was, uh, what channel it was. But um, those were seen as harmless things. But... Now that I'm looking back, um, I can actually see how watching those shows and all the things of culture actually did have a negative impact on me um, because growing up, I became very interested in witchcraft and what started out with just an interest in astrology and new age kind of, it just evolved um, as I got older. And, you know, I went to high school, I started drinking, you know, with the girls in school and we would just 
drink to get drunk and party. And I found that when I was drinking, I actually was not the same shy person that I thought I was. I actually thought I was way more fun to be around when I was drinking, which is not the case. But um, I found comfort in it. And I found um, that was my way to really be my true self, or so I thought. So I, um, you know, continued drinking and partying in high school and college. Um, I graduated college um, with my degree in psychology, and I went on to work in human resources. Um, I still lived with, at home with my parents, but I was working full time and kind of just living for myself, you know, doing what I wanted to do. I got into cocaine. Um, my best friend actually passed away when I was 24. She died of a brain aneurysm very suddenly. Mm. And um, that was a very traumatic experience for me because I never had a friend pass away, especially being so young. She was on life support for five days. We were in the hospital at Westchester Medical with her and we were just surrounding her bed praying. And it really made me kind of question God and question like how he would allow or why he would allow a young girl to just be taken like that. And it didn't make sense at the time. So I was drinking and drugging to kind of, you know, ease the pain of that. And um, around that time, I was sexually assaulted because I was drinking and partying too much. I didn't have much control over myself. And I allowed myself to get into to get into a bad situation where I was assaulted by two men. And, um, you know, what did I do to cope with that? I just went right back to the bar and kept drinking. And I, I acted as if it never happened. But it had a profound impact on me. And um, that was also kind of a wake-up call for me, though. Um, I decided that it was time to stop drugging. But in order to stop drugging, I had to stop drinking. So I actually joined Alcoholics Anonymous. It was there that I was actually introduced to more of a relationship with God. But it wasn't a biblical relationship with God, let's just put it that way. It was the God of your own understanding. That's what was taught. So God could be anything you wanted him to be. And that's a problem, especially for someone like me who didn't have any really strong beliefs or values um, right. or an ethical code, <laughs> so to speak. So I got more and more into nature and astrology and witchcraft because I was like, well, this is God, you know, God created the stars and, you know, I'm not disrespecting God by doing this. The thought did pop in my mind um, from time to time, but I was like, it's okay, it's nature, God's okay with that. I uh, met my now husband, then boyfriend, um, actually in the group. And and how old were you at that time, Erin? I was 25. Wow. Yeah, sorry, I kind of like jumped ahead. No, no, totally <laughs> but um, yeah, there was really like, this is kind of just snowballed. Um, I was 25 years old. And uh, my boyfriend at the time, now husband, he has three sons from a previous marriage. So I jumped into that pretty quickly and I became a, a stepmom pretty much overnight. And that was a very big undertaking for me as well. But I believed that I was the creator of my own destiny and I could do whatever I wanted. And I thought that was the right thing for me to do at the time. I also worked in um, in a human resources job where I worked with people from all different religions and backgrounds and one of my coworkers was actually a witch a self-proclaimed witch and i remember we were we were in the break room one day and she took out her pentagram and was like see i'm a witch and i was like wow but she was this most 
unassuming, friendly woman, smiley. She did not look like what you would think a witch looks like. Like she didn't have a big green nose with a wart on the end. Um, and I think becoming friends with her, it actually got me more into witchcraft. I bought a spell book. I started doing spells of my own. And I was really enchanted with the fact that I could make things happen, right? Or so I thought. I worked, sat next to a girl who was a Reiki instructor and a yoga instructor. And, and I worked with a woman who was a Buddhist and a woman who was from India who was a Hindu. There was all these different kind of religious influences that I just kind of rolled with all of it. And I remember the cool thing to do at the time was to go see psychic mediums. And I would ask the psychic medium questions about my future. I was so focused on what's going to happen to me. I needed to know. And I took everything these people said at face value. <laughs> and um, what I didn't realize was I was actually opening up a portal for the devil to come into my home. I had crystals and sage and you name it in my home. And I didn't realize that I was actually opening up a door for the demonic in my life. After that, you know, I left that job. I ended up getting laid off, actually. And I decided I was going to stay home and take care of my stepsons. And I was basically there stay-at-home mom. I did the stay-at-home mom thing for many years. At one point, I was like, you know, I would really love to have a child of my own. So I, of course, went to witchcraft because I wanted to have a baby girl so badly. I had all these boys. You know, the dog is a boy. You know, my husband, I was like, I want a baby girl of my own. So I looked up all these spells. I I had a friend who was into witchcraft as well. She gave me this satchel, a satchel, a pink satchel that had like herbs and things in it. And she said, hang this above your bed and, and you'll get a baby girl. And I put like an egg under my bed. I did all these crazy rituals and I actually ended up getting pregnant by the grace of God, which I now know. But at the time, I truly thought that I got pregnant from my own doing mm. and that I manifested it, so to speak. I used to practice all the manifestations and things like that. And I was so excited and happy. And um, and was it a girl? It sure was. Wow. <laughs> it was a girl, even as you know, and I was like, look at that, you know. But I still wasn't married. Um, we were still living in sin, so to speak. Um, so the pressure kind of came on to get married at that point. You know, my husband is a very traditional man, and, and I knew he was going to do the right thing. Time went on, and, you know, it still kind of wasn't happening fast enough or on my timeline. So I was pregnant, and everything was going fine until COVID hit. I, I actually got pregnant right at the start of COVID. Mm. And... We were a little, it was, you know, nobody knew what was going on at that time. So we were, everything was a little high anxiety anyway. Um, and I was like, okay, we need to get married, but COVID's going on. What are we going to do? We planned a wedding. I had so much anxiety over this wedding not coming to pass because of COVID that I actually canceled the wedding and um, had to tell everyone, sorry, wedding's off. We ended up getting married in a park at nighttime. We just had a, an officiant there to marry us. And it was just kind of like rushed and thrown together and not really what I expected. But that's okay. You know, we we still got married. But then I was like, okay, well, the, the pressure's on. I have to get my name changed because I have to get on my husband's insurance and I have to get my social security and everything needs to be in line for when I give birth to this baby or else if my driver's license doesn't match my insurance card, they're not going to cover the birth. I went absolutely crazy. I lost my mind. I was waking up in pools of sweat. I was so paranoid. I was 
doing witchcraft spells to try and make things happen quicker. And since it was COVID, I had to mail all these documents in, which was making me even more nervous. I had to mail my marriage certificate and I had to wait. You know, you couldn't just walk into the office at this time. And I know it sounds kind of crazy, but this is how I started to basically lose my mind. Um, I've never had a history of being psychotic or anything like that. I started to actually feel like it wasn't me anymore, if that makes sense. I had, I was almost in like a dreamlike state. Like I didn't feel like anything was real. And it became like this happy thing and it just turned into this nightmare. And I remember I, I called my mom one day and I was just like, mom, I don't want to go to hell for killing myself. And she was like, what are you talking about? Like she took me to the emergency room because she didn't know what to make of it either. And they just gave me antidepressants and sent me on my way. I had never been on any sort of medication before this. Um, and I believe that the medications actually made me worse. Mm. And I was just going in a downward spiral. And these suicidal thoughts wouldn't stop. I actually, I called my cousin one day and I said, you know, after I give birth, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna kill myself and I'm going to give my baby to you. Like, you can take care of her. And she was just like, what, Mare? Like, you know, like everyone was so concerned about me because they're like, what are you saying? Like, this isn't you. And everyone knew that it wasn't me, but I think we all felt kind of powerless as to like, how do we solve this? I went to see a psychiatrist. She just put me on more medication. And one day I actually crashed my car into a snowbank while I was pregnant mm. because I was so, this medication was supposed to be taken at night. And I, it was like, puts you to sleep. And that's how high anxiety I was when I went to meet with the psychiatrist, I shut my phone off because I said, they're listening to me. I thought people were following me. It was just completely out of nowhere. And this is how I know it was something demonic in my life because there was no history of this kind of behavior um, before in my life. It was just completely out of left field. I was just out of it. And I was still in this dreamlike state and I would get on these medications and I would call the doctor in a couple of days and be like, you need to put me on something else. This isn't working. I still want to kill myself. And so she'd put me on something different. And it was just this cycle until one day she was like, you need to stop calling me or I'm going to have you committed. She was like, I cannot keep putting you on different medications. Mm. She said, just have your baby. And once you have your baby, everything will be better. <laughs> so I, I did. I believed her. And, you know, after I had my baby, things just kind of got worse. Um, so that was a whole experience in and of itself. <laughs> um, I went to the hospital to be induced. I was in labor for two days. I had a very rough labor and um, my husband was with me the whole time. Um, when it finally came time for me to deliver my daughter, she actually got stuck inside of me. She got stuck behind my uh, pelvic bone. Hmm. So the doctor pressed the emergency button. All the medical staff on the floor, all the nurses and other doctors, like everyone just came running in and I had like an outer body experience because I could see myself on the table and I could see everyone rushing in. And I, I was so disassociated. I had no idea what was going on. The doctor had to go all the way in. He managed to pull her out, but she was not crying because she was not breathing. And I remember I had my wits about me enough, though, to say, why isn't she crying? Why isn't she crying? Um she was purple when she came out. I didn't get to hold her. They didn't put her on my chest. None of that. They just took her off to the NICU. And um, 
that would be a very scary time in any mother's life. But I was just so out of it. Like, I I wasn't able to really fully comprehend what was going on at the time. Two days later, we picked up my daughter from the hospital. She was released. She was fine. By the grace of God, she had no broken bones, no nothing. And I remember taking her home, and I was shaking like a leaf. I, I couldn't get the visuals out of my head of slashing my throat and laying in a pool of blood in the kitchen. And I was so worried that I was going to kill myself or hurt my baby. Mm. Um, and my husband was like, going to go out to the store to get formula or something. I don't remember what he was going to go out for, but I was like, you cannot leave me. I, I cannot stay alone with her. Like, you can't leave. And I was shaking like a leaf. We had to take her to the pediatrician a couple days later for a checkup. And I couldn't even get her dressed. I couldn't get her in the carrier. I went to the doctor's appointment. I don't know, couldn't tell you a word the doctor said. I was so out of it. The only way I could explain it is is being in a dream. You know, I told my husband, I'm like, I don't think I'm ready to be a mom. He's like, well, it's, it's too late for that now, you know. And I was like, what if my motherly instincts never kick in? What am I going to do? I went to the Catholic church. I had no idea where else to go. And, and they said, well, it's just your hormones, like, there's no such thing as, because I said, maybe I'm possessed by the devil. They said, no, there's no such thing. That's not possible. Um, and Marion, at this time, are you still uh, looking also into uh, the spells and, and yes, all of those things? I was. I was trying to fix the problem with the problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I was burning basil leaf. I mean, all these crazy things. I was burying things. I was trying everything I could to fix this psychosis that I had, I guess is the best way to put it. I was hopping around to different mental hospitals and they would just put me on another pill and another pill. The priest, he did come to my home and he blessed it with holy water. That didn't really do anything, but he gave me one really good piece of advice and he told me to take all of the crystals and sage and all of these spell books, like get rid of everything. He said, go to a river or some water like, and just throw everything in the water. I drove to a stream and I, I threw everything in the water. I was still suffering though. And I even, I woke up one morning on my birthday um, when my daughter was four days old actually. And I, I drove to a bridge near my house and I got out of the car and I, I was standing there. I was, just, I was gonna jump, but I looked down and I remember thinking to myself, if I don't die, this is really going to hurt. <laughs> mm. And I, I went back in the car by the grace of God. I didn't do it, but I drove there. And I had my mom and my mother-in-law living at my house at the time. Everyone was taking care of my baby but me. I couldn't get out of bed. It, it was just such a horrible time. I didn't want to be alive. I didn't want to do life anymore. And yeah, so I was in and out, in and out of the hospitals and... I actually, it got so bad that I had to send my daughter um, to live with my parents because I couldn't take care of her. And um, I would just, you know, kind of feel sorry for myself. And I didn't know how I got into that situation. And I really did at this time question my belief in God and like, if God is really, he doesn't care about me because why is he letting me suffer? I didn't understand so one day I just I waited till my husband went to work I was home alone and um I had been actually before this I had been researching near-death experiences online 
because I wanted to see if anyone had actually seen hell or gone to hell for trying to kill themselves. Because mm. I didn't want to go to hell, but I said living is is hell. You know, I was living in hell on earth. So I decided that I would rather go to hell than keep living like this every day. I lived like this for nine months. Um, nothing was getting better. I didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. So... One day I waited till everyone was out of the house. I called my mom. I told her I loved her. And I swallowed two bottles of whatever they were, antidepressants or whatever had been prescribed to me that I decided I wasn't going to take. Two full bottles. And I just, I went up to my room and I laid in bed with some rosary beads and two pictures. I had a picture of me and my husband, a picture of me and my husband and my stepkids. And, uh, I just waited there to die, and I looked up at the ceiling, and I just stared at the ceiling, and I waited to die, and um, all of a sudden, I, uh, the best way I can describe it is like a blurry circle, and it started getting bigger and bigger in the ceiling, like it, it was forming a tunnel, bigger and bigger, mm. and I said, oh no, I know what that is, I said, I'm dying, and I was like, I can't believe I actually did this. Like, how could I do this to my family? I, I said, I, I wanted to go back and undo it. But I was all alone at that point. There was nothing I could do. I knew that I had killed my... I had, I had succeeded, so to speak. And I was so terrified. And I never felt more alone. And, and I just... I remember... I don't know where this came from. I couldn't tell you. But it was the Holy Spirit. Now I know. And I just said out loud three times, God, I believe in you. God, I believe in you. God, I believe in you. Instantly, I was somewhere else. I describe it as the gates of heaven because I don't believe that God actually let me in. I believe he showed me. And the best way I could describe it to people is like, you know, when you're little, when you were little and you had those picture books that you would flip through and it would make a picture like mm -hmm. with a bunch of different pictures, if that makes sense. It was like that, like flashes. Right. And it was a picture coming to life in front of me. And it was a garden with roses and thorn bushes and and flowers. And, and then I saw columns like gold columns and like a door, like a doorway. And I could sense my uncle who had passed when I was very young. I didn't even really know him. I didn't see him, but I could sense him. I knew that I was somewhere else. I was not in my physical body anymore. I, I, I must have come to because I looked at the wall. I looked over at the wall to the right of me. I turned my head and there was Jesus on the wall in neon green. He was an outline, but I could see all his features. He, his long hair, his robe, his beard. And he, again, like those flashes, kind of like that book when you're little, opening up his hand and a dove flew out and flew towards me. I now know that, that that dove was the Holy Spirit. I don't remember anything after that. My husband had told me later on that he, you know, he was at work. He was supposed to go to another job after the job he had left. But he said that he felt so strongly in his spirit that something was wrong and he had to come home right away. So he came home, thank God, and he didn't go to that other job. And he found me in the bed and he called 911. And the next thing I know, I was in the ICU at the hospital. 
And my sister told me that I did tell her that I went to heaven and I saw Jesus. And so I know that all those things, like I remember seeing him on the wall. I don't remember what else happened after that. But they kept me in that hospital in ICU for a week. They called my mother. They said, are you the contact person? Because we don't think she's going to make it. So is it you that's going to make the decision if we keep her on life support or if we pull the plug? And so I was not supposed to survive that ordeal. I found that out later on. I didn't know about that. And uh, I'm just so blessed. Like, I shouldn't be here. And um, this whole, that whole encounter with Jesus, it just radically changed me. That's how I know that it was Jesus and it was real. Because this hospital stay, this was my fourth hospital stay in six months. Wow. Four. I was at four different mental hospitals in six months. Mm. And in each hospital, I was offered a Bible. First hospital stay, I brought my own Bible. I gave up in Genesis. I said, I don't understand this. This is different language. I'll never read this, whatever. Next hospital, they gave me a Bible, but I wasn't really interested. I even had other patients trying to teach me. This one guy, his name was Isaiah. Funny enough, Isaiah, like in the Bible, and he was trying to teach me scriptures. He gave me Romans 8.28. He gave me different scriptures. And You know, it was kind of in one ear and out the other, but at this hospital stay in Westchester Medical, I I actually went to Bible study. They had a chaplain and I went to Bible study and I wanted to learn and I was asking questions. Because I had had this encounter with Jesus, the Bible kind of, it was real now and it made sense to me. And Jesus was real because I saw him and he really is who he says he is. That hospital stay was like the best. I mean, it was just one of the best things that could have happened to me. Um, in a strange way. It was my last hospital stay. And I got my daughter back a few months later. Uh, I remember that, you know, she was still with my parents. They went on a vacation. And I said, when my parents go on vacation, I'm going to take my daughter back and I'm going to keep her forever. And I still have her. That was two years ago. It was like I I was healed. Um, I was delivered. You know, you hear about deliverance ministries and I was delivered by Jesus himself. And It's because of him that I'm here able to tell my story today. So, you know, from there, I I got saved. I kept feeling this tugging in my heart, like this this nagging almost. And I hate to say that the Holy Spirit nags, but he he kept pushing me. Read your Bible. I was reading my Bible. I started in Luke and I I read a chapter every day in the month of December. I saw something online. And and funny enough, my TikTok, Instagram, all these things started coming up with Christian content that I had not put in there. God works in mysterious ways. So I was able to kind of educate myself and start following people, Christian content creators. And and I actually, it's funny, you know, we're in V1 Church. I had called up V1 Church for help because even after I got saved, I still had some depression, some sadness going on. And I called them. I reached out to Evan Wilson on Instagram. He responded to my message, him and his wife, and they were so kind to me. They pointed me to the prayer um, they do like a prayer Zoom call. And I was on the phone with uh, this girl who, who said, you need to go back three generations and repent for witchcraft in your bloodline that you don't even know wow. occurred. Yeah. And I, I, she led me through this prayer and that heaviness just lifted. And I, I do believe, you know, I come from Italian culture. I do believe there is witchcraft in there. And maybe it could go back generations that I don't even know about. 
I, I was free. And I was like, you know what? I need to find a church. It just came in my head. I need to find a church near me. I need to find a Bible study. I need to get baptized, water baptized. So I went to Google and I just typed in non-denominational church near me because I didn't know if I was a Baptist, a Pentecostal. I didn't know anything really other than the Catholic church. But I knew I was born again. You know, that mm. when they say born again and, you know, when Jesus talks about being born again, I was born again because there was something very different about me. I was on fire for the Lord and and I just wanted to tell everyone about him and what happened to me. And um I found a church in my area and I was greeted by this shining face of this lovely woman. And um she has passed away, but um she was my spiritual mom. And she baptized me in her backyard two days later and um, she you know they used to baptize people in her backyard she had like one of the baptismals that they use in the jails <laughs> and her husband it was February so it was cold he filled it up with warm water for me and the Bible study ladies they just they welcomed me with open arms they took me under their wings <laughs> and I was baptized it was like the best day of my life don't tell my husband, but it was the best day of my life. <laughs> Even better than my wedding day. I um, it was I was just completely. Things looked different, you know. It was like the scales were removed and the colors were brighter and sounds and the church bells rang as soon as I came out of that water, and it was just a divine, you know, divinely appointed. And um, like I said, my my spiritual mom. Uh, Miss Chris, she actually passed away on the day that I was to have my first phone call with you guys. And uh, I was really upset that day, obviously, but I still went through with the uh, the call because I knew this is something she would have wanted me to do. And um, she was always spreading the word of, of God. And, um, you know, it's my hope that I can do that for someone else one day. And um, so, yeah, the rest is, you know, here I am. <laughs> wow. And um, I've been walking with the Lord ever since. Amen. Marianne, who is Jesus to you? He is my rescuer and my savior. Um, Psalm eighteen sixteen says, He reached down from heaven and drew me out of deep waters. That's a scripture that I hold dear to my heart because that's exactly what Jesus did for me. I remember when I was going through that whole ordeal, that nightmare, as I call it, I used to drive by, if I would drive by a body of water, like on my way somewhere, I used to want to drown myself. Like I couldn't stop thinking of that. And the Lord has reached down and rescued me. He not only rescued me and saved my life physically, my physical life, but he saved my eternal soul. He saved me from hell because that's where I was going. And he showed me that I was going the wrong way. It was a very drastic event that had to happen in my life, but I made an even more drastic turn because of it, and I am so grateful. There is no there's no one too far from His grace. No matter what you've done, He wants to rescue you, and He has rescued me, and He is my very best friend and a comfort in time of trouble. Marianne, for for the for the people who are watching who are maybe in that same place that you were at some point trying to use 
crystals, trying to use sage, trying to use all of these different methods, spells to get ahead or to, you know, get something done that they really want in their lives. Now that you have been able to experience that and now walking with Jesus and being able to experience that, what would you say to those people who are watching who are still getting involved with those things? I would say that you are not the author of your destiny, nor would you want to be. God is sovereign and he is in control. And anything else is idolatry, it's witchcraft, and it's an abomination to the Lord. I used to want to write my own story, but I figured out that I'm not a very good author and I don't really know what's best for me. He knows what's best for me and he knows what's best for you. All those items are, they're really just counterfeiter. Like the devil is a counterfeiter. He wants you to think that you're in control because then you become your own God. That doesn't work. You need God Almighty. You need the Lord to direct your steps and just repent and throw all that stuff away and and give your life to Jesus because he will guide you in the right way. Just be obedient to him and things will work out for you. You don't need to go to the the mediums and, and all of that. It's not only is it you're giving them your money, you're also sinning in the process. And they're false prophets, they're false teachers, and they're counterfeiters for the real thing, who is Jesus Christ. He is the author of your destiny. So trust him. Marion, for those who are uh, maybe struggling with suicide ideation, um, even in postpartum, you know, yeah. not knowing how to maneuver through through that uh, through that new life of having a child and responsibility, whatever the situation may be, but if they're struggling with that, wanting to end it, uh, could you just give a word of encouragement to those who are watching? You matter to God, and you matter to your loved ones, to your friends and family. You matter. God doesn't make mistakes. And he made you on purpose for a purpose. I know sometimes it might seem easier to just end it and to give up, but God has something better for you. Taking your own life is its not the way to go. Only God can take life. He gives us life and he takes it. He's the only one who can take a life. So if you're struggling, I say do reach out. There are lots of resources. Um, the suicide helpline, you know, if you have to check yourself into a facility, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the medications work for some people. They did not work for me. So I would just say I am medication free right now. I don't take anything. I have not taken a pill for anything since that, uh, since my attempt. And Jesus is my medicine now. And the Lord, he just provides and the Holy Spirit is the best co-parent you could ever ask for. And he will guide you. He used to guide me if my daughter was hungry, like what her cries meant and how to deal with situations. And yeah, I still make mistakes as a mom. And uh, being a mom is challenging, but it's a great gift from God. And um, children are a blessing from the Lord. And um, he'll help you. You just need to ask him for the help. Marianne, could you pray for those who are watching and are at that place of being ready to give their life to Jesus, or maybe even rededicate their lives back to, to Jesus. Could you just pray for those who are in need right now? Yes. 
Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for being here today, Lord. We thank you for being able to share your goodness, Lord, your grace and mercy. And we just pray that you would lay your hand upon any soul who's struggling right now, Father God. Lay your hand upon everyone who is dealing with these feelings of not wanting to be here anymore, of wanting to give up, of living a life not worth, that they think is not worth living, Lord. Show them that they matter to you, Lord, that they are your children, Lord. And just we pray a hedge of protection around these people, Lord, and we just we pray that your hand would be upon them and that every assignment of the enemy is canceled right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that we have the victory through Christ Jesus. We thank you for your blood shed on the cross, Lord Jesus, and we plead your blood over the lives of everyone who is struggling today, Lord, that you would restore them to peace, soundness of mind, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Marianne, any last words to those who are watching your testimony right now? There is a good ending for your story. There's a better ending than the one you could ever imagine. Give your life to Christ. I think even now, with all that's going on in the world today, it is so important that we repent, that we come to the Lord, and that we give our lives to Him. Make Jesus the Lord of your life, because everything in this world will pass away, but He is eternal. And there is a home for you in heaven if you would just repent and believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. There is such a better life on the other side of that. So you just need to trust him. I was fortunate enough to be able to see Jesus for myself, and it was easy for me to believe. I just knew. But if someone can hear my testimony or the testimony of someone else, and that would bring them that much closer to believing that Jesus really is who he says he is. He is real. He's as real as you and me. And he really is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's the only way to heaven. There is no other way to heaven other than Jesus. I promise you that the Bible is true. And now more than ever, we need to give our lives back to the Lord. Hey, everybody. I hope the new testimony has blessed you, has encouraged you. Just wanted to let you know that if you are in need of help, that we have people that are ready to speak with you. So down in the description box below, in the comment section, uh, if you're watching from YouTube, if you're listening from our podcast, just look for the link that says, talk to someone who cares. Click on that, fill out the form, and somebody will get in contact with you locally. Now, this is only available to people in the U.S. right now, but we are working to get resources for our international viewers and listeners. But for right now, if you are in the U.S. and you need help, you need to talk with somebody, please fill out that form and somebody will reach out to you. God bless you, and we'll see you on the next testimony.